Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of The Host Show. I am your host, Jasper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every single Monday. And in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting yourself out of the daily operations. So that frees up your time so you can become the CEO of your business instead of the manager and really focus on those higher level tasks that move the needle and allow you to grow. So for more information about Legends X and how to join, visit strlegends.com X. Now let's dive into today's episode. Enjoy the show. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Welcome back to Get Paid for Your Pad, number one podcast on short-term rentals and Airbnb. And today I'm joined by Mr. Robert Nunez. He was a good friend of mine, actually. He's a corporate travel specialist in the short-term rental industry. He operates close to 100 units in 12 different cities operating out of Philadelphia and Miami. I spent New Year with Mr. Nunez in Aruba, where uh, he hosted an, uh, an amazing like co-working villa a couple of years ago. So good memories. So uh, excited to have you back on the show, Robert. How's it going? Yeah, everything's going well. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. You're looking fit. You're looking you're looking still sane after doing this for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, man. You gotta gotta keep healthy. You know, yeah. going to the gym twice a day. At my age, that's kinda necessary. Are you still doing the long time the long term biking? Not so much now, because I'm you know, here in Panama it's it's too hot, man. Like and oh. it's too it's too humid. <laughs> the out. climate is <laughs> the climate is not very cycler friendly and also it's dangerous like people drive mm. like crazy here like i don't okay you know yeah. kind of like in how it is in aruba i imagine yeah stay in the gym then okay <laughs> awesome man well, it was great to talk to you again and I, I i'm excited about today's topic i'm sure you would agree that with the with the amount of supply hitting the market in the short-term rental industry and you know as the industry is maturing and hosts are becoming more professional it's very important for us to choose a niche Right. And the corporate travel niche sounds like a very interesting niche. We haven't talked a lot about it on this podcast. So I'm excited to learn more about it. But why don't you give us a give us a quick background of how you got involved in Airbnb and what you're doing now? Okay, sure. Well, corporate travel, we've been in the corporate travel space since ninety-eight because we used to own a celebrity sports and entertainment travel company. And most of our clients were business. Like we had Tops, the baseball card company. We had the Source magazine. You know, we had a couple of music labels. So we we represented a lot of the business travel. So I always knew that business travelers, they had to handle their work. They had to do what they had to do. And they expect to get what they're paying for. You know, and and, and believe it or not, they were flexible because they're working. They're just like, listen, just if something happens, just get it done. And it's good repetitive business. We migrated off of that space into the short-term rental for roughly about a decade, you know, so we have about 10 years in. So we have a lot of experience there. I've always been a fan of business travel. And for the past couple of years, 
we've, you know, we've reignited a lot of our old relationships in, in the corporate travel industry and also the new relationships and realizing that there's a huge gap between the short-term rental industry and the corporate travel industry. It's like there's a barrier, right? The corporate travel industry says, this is how we do it. It's more professional. There's insurance with the property. We know what we're getting. We're not just showing up. We're not sending our high-level executives to a place that's not what is advertised as. Then there's the short-term rental industry that says, we're more fluid. We're dynamic. What you consider to be a disruption, we love it because that's part of the change. So there's like there's this disparity between both industries. But yet, we're all trying to service a particular client to provide them with quality housing. So, you know, our time in in the industry with corporate travel and our time in with the short-term rental industry has allowed us to create a very viable service where we know what to give the corporate traveler, but yet on a more fluid and a quicker basis and actually more uh, efficient and, you know, in real time. So it's it's, it's an interesting time that we're in. It's kind of like when the short-term rental industry first started, people didn't really know how to figure it out. So that that gap, that that gray area in the middle is hugely profitable and and very lucrative and and, and sustainable and scalable. Yeah. How is corporate travel doing right now? Because I remember like during COVID, it pretty much came to a halt, right? Mm-hmm. There was very little business travel. And I know travel has recovered, but I'm not sure like how, how business travel is doing right now. That's great. That's a great point. So it's different than what it was before, but not different in a bad sense. So for example, COVID put everything to a stop, even short-term rental for a short time period. But during COVID, construction travel and the travel nurse sector, because everybody was sick, right? Construction, because the cities took advantage of everybody being home and they started doing all the infrastructure. Businesses that were delayed or that companies didn't have time to build out, now they had time to do it. So we wound up growing for 17 straight after April, roughly April, going into May during the COVID period, we wound up growing for 17 months straight, which was a blessing because we wound up pivoting into the business travel and we filled in the pockets of all these companies that were moving heavily because of COVID. Because, you know, COVID may have shut one thing down, but like in everything, when one thing stops, something else starts. And then we just we just kept the momentum going forward. So, so yeah. business travel, now it's even better because now people don't just want to do the Zoom only. Now they're actually interested in, you know, the face-to-face convention and conferences, as you see on LinkedIn, they're everywhere now and they're selling out. The VRMA 2022, I think they just had their first record-breaking year where it was entirely sold out. I went to a vacation rental world summit in Portugal with Antonio, his organization, and there was, I think, 500 operators and managers there. So the in-person conventions are huge now. So corporate travel to me has actually made an amazing rebound. Mm. Yeah. And I guess, you know, when I think of corporate travel, I think of like high level executives, but I guess that's, you know, business travel is much broader than that, right? You mentioned construction workers, you mentioned mentioned travel nurses. So Mm -hmm. it's much more than like that, you know, that person with a suitcase, Fortune 500, like CEO type of thing. Absolutely. And that's, that's why there's such a gap in it because most people don't really have a clear definition of what corporate travel means. And my definition of it is you're traveling on business. Now, with that being said, how many businesses exist or how many reasons? Like I may travel to come and see you to meet up with you. You know, we'll have some good social time, but we're there to discuss something. It's still business travel. It's, you know, if you're traveling for a business purpose, that is the definition of corporate travel. Got it. Got it. You know, like, 
if for the regular Airbnb host who's interested in getting into or attracting these business travelers, is that something that you can do on the regular channels, right? Like Airbnb, VRBO, booking.com, or is that, do you need to adopt a completely new marketing strategy to attract those travelers? It's a combination of both. Business travelers may find you on the OTA platforms because they have travel department or assistants that look up the research. Yet your number one, your listing has to be a little tailored more to a business traveler or you have to offer things that are, you know, so for example, if you have a great listing and everything is about, hey, there's a lot of, there's tons of bars and restaurants in the area, that might not be the message for a business traveler. You may want to pivot a little bit and say, you know, um, quiet work environment, plenty of internet cafes locally, change restaurants for internet cafes, change bars for work from home environments, you know, easy access to public transportation, things that meet the needs of a person who's traveling for business. And you have to step out of your OTA. You have to actually have a presence online. Like most PMSs, well, first of all, a lot of operators don't even have a PMS, right? But most PMSs have their own booking engine or, or direct booking site. So you have to have an access where the business traveler can find you as well. So it's, you know, the OTA and you know a, a location on how they can locate you. And you have to go after them. That's the real, that's the biggest part. Yeah. Yeah, I think. The bigger companies, you know, I'm thinking of like the big consultancy companies and stuff, right? They they typically have like a a department that arranges all the travel for the employees, right? So they don't necessarily book their own travel. Is that something that you do as well, where you kind of you build relationships with the people that actually arrange that this type of travel? Absolutely, 100, as you would say, 100. Yes, the reason. Well, first of all, at co-host we have a service called co-travel. So basically what co-travel means is instead of a company setting up their own travel department, they actually they white label us and they use us as their travel department. Mm. So everything that's housing related, they automatically just give it to us. We know the profiles. We know what the clients are looking for. We know the preferred cities and locations. You know, we have a profile, an avatar. So instead of them overwhelming their staff with the travel request, they just literally send it right directly to us. They also do have their own travel departments, and then we work with them hand in hand. And one of the key things about business travel and corporate travel, and I want all the operators to know this and managers, it's still a lot of traditional sales. You have to get on the phone, like literally call someone, right? You know, people don't do that anymore. You literally have to actually talk to these individuals. Yes, I was scary, right? I showed my kids a rotary phone. They didn't know what to do with it. They literally have to call these individuals and explain to this person, this client, that what you're giving them is what they're asking for. Because there's so much on the line. They're sending, either they're sending entire teams, their high-level C-suite executives, or even just their basic staff. They want to know that these people are safe, that they're getting what they're paying for, that they are where they need to be at, that they can get in and get out with no friction. So it requires some conversation and some traditional sales, which is another reason why there's such a gap, Jasper, because the short-term rental industry, everything thing is click 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 book nobody does <laughs> click 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 talk so you know that's a, that's a big gap but in the corporate travel industry we talk to people we have relationships we honor our agreements and we make sure that they have what they what they're asking for or just tell them you don't have it you know a business traveler and a business travel department would be happy to say would respect you they say hey you know you don't have what we need 
than to just give them something to fill in a night and then it's not what they need. Hmm. But how do you get started with that? You know, because like I'm sure you 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 you've been in the space for so long. You have these relationships with these companies, these businesses. But you know, if I'm I'm just putting myself in this the shoes of a you know like a small Airbnb host. Mm-hmm. a couple of units, you know, like, do you just start calling companies and saying like, or how do you find out what business travelers actually visit your markets? Great, great question. Well, one, in, as of January forward, I think mid-January or, or February, no, actually as of, uh, I think February, our website, which is called livingquarters.net, is going to be fully up and launched and operational. And what that is, is it's a portal where operators can actually upload their units and we can offer them out there to our corporate client base. Mm-hmm. Now, every we're not accepting every unit. You know, units be vet, will be vetted. Um, they have to have a certain criteria. They have to have certain amenities, you know, in-unit washer-dryer or in-building washer-dryer, minimum 600 megabytes Wi-Fi. They have to be, you know, we do Google Earth. Actually, we have reps in certain cities that will literally go by and take a look at the units because safety and, and curb appeal is important. So then now there's going to be a portal where you're able to upload your properties to. When you upload your properties, and, and there's I don't think there's any cost for that. When you upload your properties, then we'll allow our travel clients to go onto the platform and take a look at it. And then they'll contact us through like a travel department, you know, and then we'll set. So we'll connect the corporate traveler relocation mm-hmm. companies with the host or the providers. The host has to know their inventory. If they know that they have an inventory that's not business related or business strong, you know, that's business focused on a property, then then don't even put it on the platform because it's it's not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but yet you should still consider the business traveler as you're adding new inventory or with the current inventory you have. Like can will a business person, a business traveler, can this meet their needs? Mm-hmm. So that's that's so one way is they it, do it. Is is the website that you're that you're launching? Is it sort of like a furnace finders for mm-hmm. business travelers kind of thing? Exactly, and that's actually a great site too. Big kudos to Brian Payne and his entire team at Furn. So funny, you're saying that, and I just got a furnace finder link hit right on my phone, literally right oh, now. Wow. Yeah, big shout out to Brian and his entire team at Furnish Finder. That's a good platform for the travel nurse sector. You know, yep. so they'll go there. They're very niche to that and to other other services. So it'll be the same. Right? So basically, you'll be able to go, our clients will be able to go there to find accommodations and our operators and buildings will be able to upload into the platform. So it's a combination of both. Mm-hmm. And that's where they, you know, that's where the interaction takes place. Yeah. I'd love to touch on some kind of like out of the box thinking type of strategies. One thing that comes to mind as we're talking about this, I can't remember who told me this but anyway like I, I i heard about people that what they would do is like they go to the hotels in their market and they look mm-hmm. at like the, the the brands on the of the vents that are parked outside mm-hmm. right because that gives you an indication of like hey who's you know what kind of companies are visiting here right and like they i've even heard about people like walking into the hotels and just you know literally like checking out the bar and like seeing who's there and start talking to people and finding out like, Hey, and you find out like, Oh, there's, there's a construction crew at the hotel here. And mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, how much do you like staying at the hotel here? Like I've got some nice apartments, you know, do you, do you guys want to have your own kitchen? And then that way it's kind of, I like the hustle of that, you know, but what, what are your thoughts on those type of strategies? I love it. Anything that's going to increase the occupancy and bring our niche client to our property I'm all for it. 
That's a great way to do it. That's one, right? That's actually very creative. A little more traditional, but that people have just forgotten to do is you can actually go to the the Visitors Convention Bureau in your city or town. Mm -hmm. And in the Visitors Convention Bureau and the convention centers, right? The Visitors Bureau and the convention center, they're going to have a list of all the conferences that are coming into the city. So then you reach out to these conferences and you say, hey, you're coming into the city. We have inventory. We'd like to see if we can offer you what we have. But remember, you already got to have you got to have your package ready. And then you you contact these people and you say, hey, listen, I have 14 units in downtown Austin. I know that you're coming down for the Austin. Well, here in Philadelphia, you know, you're coming for the arts and crafts show from November to the end of December. You know, you got there's 60 nights that you're here because it says it on the website when they're going to be there. You know, you got 100 vendors. So now you have 60 nights and you have 100 vendors. So let's just technically say that each vendor only needs two apartments. So that means you have 200 apartments times 60 nights. That's 1,200 nights, right? That's huge. And then and you'll take that and you say, you know, we have these units. We want to offer that a discount for this for this convention or for this show that you're having. You know, please contact us. We'll be happy to help. And then the phone may ring. That's just one way. And, th- and that information is available and free to everybody. It's already there at the convention bureau. Mm. You know, And then whenever you do get a, another way is when people book on your OTA, and you'll sometimes see on VRBO or booking or Airbnb that they're booking for a company. You have to contact the individual and say, you know, hey, we know that you're here for business in the future. We appreciate your business. If you're coming back, contact us. We'll give you 10% off. And, you know, we'll be more than happy to host you because they already used your place. Now, hopefully they have a good experience. You know, that's just another way. When they're opening a new restaurant, right? So if you go to the SBA, the Small Business Administration, they normally will tell you what businesses that registered with them that are opening up in your in your city or town. You then contact the construction companies that are working on these properties because they have crews that are coming in or they'll have somebody they need to bring in, you know, a specialist or something. That's another corporate travel. So there's so many different avenues. You could go to the hospitals. You could pin it up on the board, say that you have properties near the hospital, but it requires you to be creative. And I think Jasper, what happens is it requires you to work. You know, we, people wake up and they just want to see the reservations on their platform, right? We, I get it. You did it. I did it. I understand that. But if you want to make that quantum leap to the next level, then you have to make the quantum leap yourself. You know, it's not just waiting for somebody to bring business. You got to go out there and get some of your own business as well. Are you, are you telling me we can't get rich sleeping? I'm not going to say that because you can get rich sleeping, but when you're awake, you got to work on making sure you're going to get rich while you're sleeping. There you go, right? It's a, it's a, it's an ebb and flow. Because <clears throat> I love waking up and seeing reservations. I'm like, this is great. But I know that it came from somewhere, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, we, we just had a Mark Simpson. You're familiar with Mark, of course. Yeah. We just had him do a, do a training in our Legends X group last week. And one of the things that he said that I thought was really powerful, he was saying like the old school marketing tactics that mm-hmm. – are really powerful right now because everyone, like you said, like everyone's just so used now to just go, you know, create a listing, click, click, you know, click. sit behind the safety of your desk and 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 just manage everything from your laptop. Like yep. it's the old school stuff, like putting up flyers, you know, like calling people, right? Yep. Like calling know, people. The old, <laughs> <laughs> like the old school marketing tactics that that are really powerful right now. That's yeah. kind of well, what you I know you saying too. Yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, big shout out to Mark. We actually are a co-author in his book, which is called the book Shameless Plug, right? But, you know, he's got the book. 
and we're in here as co-hosts. And actually, our topic, our chapter is specifically on corporate travel. Like we're literally mm-hmm. talking about, you know, what it is in the corporate travel industry, how to develop your plan, your strategy. And it's only a chapter, so we couldn't get super in-depth, but there's so much more to it. I'll, g- I'll give you one. We've actually secured a portion of the midterm election in the United States. So we're going to be representing some organizations during their travel. Now, most people are sitting home watching the elections, watching the ads, watching the news. We're, we're accommodating the housing for the people that are in this election, you know, or that are part of these campaigns and so forth. That's a huge amount of business. You know, that exists. And these campaigns will go nationwide. So people have to try to tap into them and say, hey, well, where are these interns and these assistants and these volunteers? Where are they staying at? Because they may not be getting paid to work, but they do have to get their housing has to be accommodated. So old school tactics on finding sales is hugely important. And you also have to level up your game. I'll give you a, a very big example. If you're thinking about going into the corporate travel space and sector, you have to make sure that you have insurance. You know, you have to make sure that these properties have insurance, that you're not just winging it because these individuals, it's, it's a business. So you have to treat it like a business. Like we're very fortunate. We use a, a person named Elizabeth Soli from Jacob Street, and they help us create like tailor-made insurance packages for different type of properties, you know, things of that nature. So because this is a business, it's not just, well, you know, the short, the, the OTAs are providing insurance. No, you have to act involved as well. Yeah, for sure. What are some of the biggest advantages of being in the corporate travel niche mm-hmm. as an operator? Man, that's great. First of all, the quality of guests is, to me, the quality of guests is more preferable because I'm a business person and you know I'm there to do what I need to do. Um, they come in, they handle what they need to do, and, and then they keep it going. And they take care of the place. They're never home. They're definitely not throwing parties. So that whole that whole part goes right out the window. You know what I'm saying? Then the extensions. So one of the biggest gifts is extensions. So yesterday, one of our clients, we have property, we have agreements in Reno, Nevada, and by Lake Tahoe. And we have a reservation over there for 39 apartments for, I think it's like 60 days. And yesterday they contacted me and they said, well, we need an additional 17 apartments extended for another seven to 10 nights. That's now 170 nights. They already said they need it. It's basically, it's a guaranteed booking already. So, you know, because sometimes you don't finish your work on time. So then you need an extension and they don't want to move to another place. So that's one, the upsell. If you have a staff, you can actually offer a weekly house cleaning, which then keeps your team eating and working. So then now you upsell. So, you know, you put a small, a small margin on the upsell, but now you're making residual money every week. Your staff is working more, so they're earning more. Everybody's happy. The guest is happy because the place looks great every time. They don't really want to leave at all. You know, so those, uh, you could actually address little repairs that are needed while they're there. So the upsell, the extensions are great. The referrals. If you land the right corporate client and you pinch them, you have them. They may be returning every year for business. So now you're looking at two, three, four, five years of consistency. Now you're not looking at it as a lifetime because it's a business, they may change. But if you can get two or three years, so if you got a, like this client right now, so they did 170 nights in these 10 days. If they gave me 170 nights, three years in a row, that's great. And I mean, we already got them for 60 nights for 39 apartments, right? So that's good. So if two years they come back or one year, so then if, so imagine having, 20 clients like that 
that would repeat every year, even if it's 100 nights, 200 nights, 50 nights. Then now what happens is what's happened with us. Our short-term rental is our filler space, is our gaps between our corporate business, which is a majority of our reservations. And that's a, that's a good place to be in because you are the master of your revenue. So your money that's coming in, your revenue, your business is growing because of you as a business, not because somebody's just giving you reservations. And that's the difference between, you know, an operator and an established, you know, a business travel and op- an established management company. So essentially, what was what percentage of your your occupancy would you say is from the corporate travel companies outside of the OTAs? Oh, right. As of so this quarter, well, the quarter that just passed. I'm sorry, the quarter that just passed, we probably had like a 67 percent business, 33 percent OTA and return. Got it. Is it hard to use the OTAs just to fill up the gaps? No, not at all. I mean, there's great, there's great dynamic software out there. You know, like, you know, like like Price Lab and stuff that that you could just set the set the algorithm. You know, set the conditions to fill in your gap time. So it's really not. There's always somebody looking for two, three, five, ten, twenty nights, right? Yeah. And if you only enough OTAs, you'll get that. Yeah. Now the reason I'm asking is what I sometimes see is that if I feel like sometimes the OTAs they they prefer to push the listings that that get booked a lot on their platform versus the the listings that have limited availability. So that's that's, that's why actually I'm no no that's a good point right. So they're definitely gonna show when you do because you search your own stuff right people search so you'll definitely see your higher performing properties come up quicker because as a business they're like well this is booking a lot so let's make sure that this is seen so we could keep right so that makes sense. But you still have to you still have to have your stuff up there. So I, would I not want to do business travel because I'm getting less viewership on the OTA? Absolutely not. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Yeah, because then again, that means that I'm at the mercy of another business giving me business, as opposed to our company going out and generating business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And Airbnb just announced that they're going to make some changes to the search algorithm. I don't know if you saw the the memo, but. Uh... Brian Chesky announced that they're going to now show the total price of the booking in search. Right, right. right and they're going to use that. Yeah, they're going to use that as a priority to ranking, right? So instead of like, you, you know how they used to look at the daily rate and they, they, would show, they would show like the most affordable listings given the parameters. Now mm-hmm. they're going to not just look at the daily rate, they're going to look at the total price of the booking. So that's one reason why it's good to have a direct booking flow, uh, have your own customer flow outside of the OTAs, because they can always change something. And then that might change your visibility in the search rank and it might change the bookings that you get. That's actually, yeah, very accurate because see, they're going to do what works for them, right? And they're going to do what works for them for their business model, like all of us would. Now, what works for them may not necessarily, is too many operators out there on the platforms. Some operators, that's not going to work for you know, some people get drawn in by a low number. And then by the time they make the reservation, they see the total number, but the person's already invested some time, then they book it. Now they're showing the total number in the beginning. So that's definitely going to change how people are selecting, right? Yet, as your own business, what are you doing to generate your own revenue? What are you doing to provide some consistency? And I don't know if you believe this or not or think so, but to me, it seems that many individuals in this space are just waiting for a reservation instead of creating a reservation. There's a difference there. Like I already know what conventions are coming into our cities. So we're already, we've already contacted these people. Now 
one lands, we created that reservation. There's a lot of power in, in, in running your own business and running your own revenue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I always think back to the times when there were, there was no internet. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you get a customer? There's no internet. You know, <laughs> you know, that's funny, right? Because when we started our corporate, when we had our entertainment and, tra and corporate travel business in, um, it was called Flights Club in 1998. We used to go to events with flyers. We would mail flyers. We would send faxes. We would send proposals. We would have face-to-face -face meetings and convince them why they want to use our travel company over the other one. You know, no internet, right? And now the internet has done amazing things because now we can have those same conversations via Zoom like we're having right now with individuals across the world, right? Yet, yet you could still close the deals. You know, there's still certain elements that are still valuable that we were able to kind of roll over, modified with some new technology and still use them now. So yeah, you got you have to go out there and build you know, your business. This reminds me of one of the first times I traveled with my friends. This must have been, I don't know, 1995 or 1996, somewhere around that time. But I just remember like back then you you wouldn't use the internet to book a flight or like a hotel. Also, there was no Google Maps, right? Or Google Earth or things <laughs> like that. So we, I remember we we flew out to Thailand and I had no idea what it even looked like, that country. I just thought it's, it's a big jungle, right? That's mm -hmm. what I thought. And like, yeah, we would just literally like go to a travel agency, book a flight. And then I remember we, we arrived at this, in this town on the beach somewhere. And we just walked around with our suitcases and we just mm -hmm. went into some hotels and asked them like, Hey, how much is a room? Right. And then we walked to the next hotel and asked how much is a room here and we would mm -hmm. negotiate and that's how we would find our accommodation. It's just kind of crazy how, how much everything has changed. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, they didn't trust booking on the internet back then. It wasn't available, but let, let me touch on something. Business travel and corporate travel is not an antiquated. And I'm only saying this because, you know, we're, we're, we're reminiscing a bit. It's not an antiquated business model or service. What it is, it, it's a serious business model and service, which means that the person, if you have if you have properties and you want to attract high-level individuals or companies or established businesses and you want their consistent money, their consistent revenue, you want their consistent reservations, then you have to level up your, your inventory. You have to level up your message. You have to level up your listing. You have to level up your service that'll compensate for the money that they're going to pay you. So, you know, for example, our, we're in the month of November, our September was one of our, September and October were some of our highest earning months in a decade because of business travel. And we had the less amount of interaction with the guests. So we made an abundance of money. We booked an abundance of property with, with minimal work, quality minimal work, but still minimal work. And that is a sustainable, scalable business. You know, so so when we're talking about, you know, when we're reminiscing a bit, it's not that the business travel world is not operating with the times. There's just, like I said earlier on, there's just a friction with, we want to know that this client, Apple, Nike, you know, these clients, we want to know. And these clients, when I say like Apple, Nike, they have divisions in different cities, right? So like one division of Apple in, in New York City or Google, that could be your, you know, that that's your home run. That is your, all your expenses covered with one client.
while then everything else is just profit. Just giving you an example, right? So these these relocation companies and destination management companies and insurance relocation companies, they want to know that they're getting what they're paying for as you're advertising it. And when something happens during that time that they're with you, because things happen, right? Regardless of how great a listing is. And when something happens, you have to have a response team, a response action that that satisfies and mitigates the situation. It's it's just professional, legitimate business. Before I let you go, I know you you have about a hundred listings, right, in twelve different cities. So that tells me you probably have a pretty good feel for where we're at in the market right now when it comes to short-term rentals. Obviously, you focus on business travel, so it might be you know different trends going on in your niche versus overall short-term rentals. But what are you seeing in terms of like demand? You know, we're, I'm hearing some stories from hosts that bookings are softening up. You know, there's talk about recession, inflation, like all this stuff. What's what? What's your perspective on this whole situation? Okay, so um, we have a hundred inbound listings, in-house listings. We have thirty-two hundred doors because we have agreements with properties which have given us a total of 3,200 within those 12 cities. So that's a great question because that actually gives us a very good pulse on what's happening. In the 12 cities that we're in, everyone's anticipating this recession talk. Oh my God, things are you know slowing down. We're not really seeing any. We're competitive. We modify our rates with our software you know, when it's required. Are we adding more inventory? Yes, but we're strategically adding the inventory. So you know, in the arbitrage model, you rent to re-rent, you know, or you buy, you know, renovate and get up and running. But now ours is we have collaborative agreements with other operators and with the part hotels, which we have agreements with these places that we can use them as we need them. And that's actually allowed us to, you know, to, to expand and to grow. That's where we're at, the 3,200 doors outside of what we have in-house. Softening markets or times. I think that each individual, each operator knows their market. And they know when their high, low, and mid-season is. So there's kind of an understanding of what that is. But don't make drastic decisions and cuts or add a huge amount of inventory because you had a good month. You have to have a little bit of time in and look at your data and say, well, for the past 12 months or 18 months, this is how this is performing. And base your growth on your data, plus then your intuition and also you know, your expectancy. But don't just say, wow, we were booked all of October, and then you double your inventory. And, and November is 50-50, December is holidays, and January you're tanking, right? If you're in the Northeast, because in the Northeast is cold. So travel, leisure travel slows down. But if you have a year in, you have an idea of how your market flows. And that's one of the things I like to advise operators on, is not to be scared or worried about how to pull the trigger or how to activate and make a decision, but it's really to be mindful to the data, to take time to gather some of the data. So then you can make accurate decisions as best as possible based on real information, not just I had a good month or my friends are doing well in this market. I'm going to go over there too. Because, you know, I have a guy who says, hey, I'm thinking about going to this city and he's never been there. Now, I understand it because I've opened cities I was never in. I went to Aruba. We were never there. But then he doesn't have any data, but he's going on the successes of someone else. But this other person is a full-time property manager. Like this other gentleman is about his business. So you can't think that you're going to get those successes because you're not doing what they're doing. Amazing advice, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. All right, last question. You. Did, you, yep. did you miss Aruba? <laughs> I miss the great friends that I have there. 
you know, Jay, Roger, like some good people. You met actually you met some of them, right? Yeah, you met yeah, some yeah. of the people there. I, I miss the people there. I miss the chirping birds in the morning and the warm weather, right? Consistent. What I don't miss is, and because I'm biased to cities, once you live on an island and you've done it, then it's like, okay, what am I going to do now? Right. And it, you know, it just, it just became like a little, it just didn't have enough movement and motion for me, you know, growing up in New York and in the East coast, Miami, Philadelphia, that's what worked. But I do, but I do miss the warm weather and the blue waters. Yeah, man, I do. You know, we enjoy and the, and the kite surfing and stuff. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed that. Oh yeah. That was great. The kite surfing there. For the people that are interested in hearing more from you, we're going to look up the episode that we did before about Aruba. Ah, in Aruba. I, yeah. yeah. Actually I at the table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's that? At the table, right? Remember? Yeah, we did it at the table. Yeah. While I do that, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and how they can get in touch with you? Oh, sure. Absolutely. You can look us up. I'm on LinkedIn. You can look me up under Robert Nunez or co-host expert company. Our platform for the corporate travel portal will be live January, February, 2023. It is livingquarters.net. You'll be happy. And I'm all about email. So you can shoot me an email. I even give you my, you can say Robertin, R-O-B-E-R-T-I-N at cohost, C-O-H-O-S-T, expert.com. And, you know, if you say, hey, I saw you on the Jasper podcast, you know, does he really ride a lot of bike? You know, I'll answer you and then we could talk about, <laughs> and then I'll help you out with anything else. <laughs> but Jasper's a great guy. I definitely enjoyed him. <laughs> And it's part of Eric that I got to meet. Sweet, man. Episode 368 is the Thank one that you, we man. did. I was, I was looking for that. 360. Wow. Yeah. Jasper, 360. What, what episode are you in now? Uh, we're around like 520 now. Uh, you know, let me take a moment now to congratulate you guys and your team on your consistency. That's what this is about. Consistency. So congratulations on that. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. If people are interested. Hosting Remote Workers in Paradise is the episode that we did. We recorded it live in Aruba at at the villa that you had there. So, Absolutely. Awesome. Robert, thanks so much, man. This was super informative, super cool. And I'm sure we'll we'll have you back. Yeah, I appreciate that. And remember, we're on the Book Direct Playbook. And you'll see us in the back when chapters specifically on, on corporate travel. I'll be happy to help you. And I'm looking forward to having more books on your book for you to have more books back there. Because, yeah. you know, you need a couple send, of more books, Jasper. No, where's your send book? Me. We need more books from you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. God bless, brother. Take care. Cheers. Cheers, Robert. Uh, and to right. listeners, thank you for listening. And of course, we'll be back soon with another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. See you then. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you want to learn more about hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash get started if you enjoy this podcast make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and please leave us a review on apple podcast for a chance to win lifetime access to the short-term rental profit academy our starter course for anybody who wants to start an airbnb business every month we select one random reviewer and give that person access to the course 
Um, so if you want to have a chance to win access to the course, uh, please leave us a review and then uh, you might uh, join our program pretty soon. So thank you for listening. Check back every Monday for a new episode of The Host Show and every Friday for an episode of SDR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast. Yeah.